Welcome to McKnight's Newsmakers Podcast, where we share the latest information from industry leaders. This is Diane Estabrook. I'm pleased to have as my guest today, Jennifer Tucker, Chief Operating Officer of HomeWatch Caregivers. Jennifer, thanks so much for joining me. Yeah, Diane, thank you for having me. I'm delighted. Great. Before we get started, um, why don't we why don't you tell our audience a little bit about your company and the territory you serve and some of the services that you provide? Absolutely. So we are a home care company um, that takes care of people of all ages. It tends to be primarily seniors. Um, We have been in operation since 1980, so for a really long time. Uh, We are in about 34 states in the United States. That's really where our focus is. We have about 230 locations. And the the thing we're most proud of in our organization is how much uh, there's kind of two things. One is our focus on caregivers um, because they are truly the heart of the business Um, Without them doing this incredible work every day, we would have no home care to provide. And secondly, the approach that we take um, to caregiving is very unique. And you talked about caregivers and sort of the hot button issue right now is the caregiver shortage. What is your company seeing out there and how are you getting your arms around this problem? Yeah, great question. It is the question of the day, right? And it's in every single industry, we're all struggling with having enough employees. And of course, in our space, we need not only employees who um, are capable and have skill sets, or we can teach those skill sets, but we need people with incredible passion to take care of mom or dad in the home. And, you know, they, they're engaged with bathing and dressing of humans and lifting them up and transferring them, getting them out of bed, into the car, things like that. And this is work that takes a special kind of person to focus on. So we have this, um, you know, our, our reach can't be incredibly broad. And yet, because um, uh, we need people with that sort of passion and you don't find them absolutely everywhere. Um, so it just makes it that much harder in our space. So we, we've hired a new person uh, in the last year to focus solely on workforce and supporting our network on all things caregiver recruitment and retention. So when you look at caregiver recruitment and retention, what works? We hear a lot about bonuses. Some companies say companies say they work. Some say they really don't. So what is your what are your thoughts on that? Well, the data that we have really shows us that, yes, you have to keep, you know, you have to keep in line with what's happening in your community. Right. And every community is not the same. We have places where caregivers are paid still, you know, ten and a half dot, you know, ten, ten fifty an hour. And we have places where caregivers are easily getting twenty dollars an hour and everything in between. Um, and so you have to stay, stay competitive. And yet that doesn't seem to be the thing that caregivers care about the most. Right. They care about the connection with their direct supervisor with the company, um, they need to feel safe. Um, Our research has shown very, very clearly that when caregivers feel safe, not only like physically safe, I mean, am I in a safe home in a safe neighborhood, but also very safe in their relationships, again, with their direct supervisor, with other caregivers that they might engage with, with the office staff. So those are things that our franchise owners have always really focused on. And you talk about, it's not just about the money, Um, You talked about them wanting to feel safe, but one of the other things that we're hearing about is training. How important is training and education to the people that work for you? Well, you know, 
we know it's critical in terms of how they're able to care for people. You have a, you know, if you have a caregiver who has maybe a lot of experience um, with people living with dementia, but maybe has never worked with someone who has, say, ALS, to be able to get them up to speed um, as quickly as possible and to really, you know, best understand what that disease process might look like, what this person might be living, living with and dealing with every day, we will have them not only receive um, support from our internal office staff, oftentimes there'll be a nurse that will help get them up to speed on that particular disease process. We will, of course, have them take courses on Homewatch Caregivers University, which is powered by Relias. And that's been our, they've been our partner for, gosh, almost 10 years or so. We have over a thousand courses. Um, and so we turn our franchisees um, and their staff onto that particular tool. And, and that tool is also tested. It's not just taking a course we test for um, comprehension. And then finally, we would, you know, in most local offices, you know, look at bringing in someone from the ALS society, someone, you know, in this particular example, to come and make sure caregivers get in services and have um, training from experts. So there's multiple prongs to all of this, but training is absolutely critical for our caregivers. They feel safe that way. They feel safe that they can take care of a client competently. They can understand all those red flags and, um, you know, mostly they want their clients to be okay. So yeah, it's critical. Yeah, and you, and you are doing business across multiple states. The other thing that we hear about over and over again is that there's no really standard standardized certification process. Is that something that we need to see? Gosh, I would love to see that. I think that um, the lack of consistency state by state, both in terms of home care regulations, but also in terms of more specifically caregiver, you know, expectations and training levels is um, something that is a real opportunity. So we have always required uh, our franchise owners have uh, a set of four brand standards. And one of their brand standards that they have to comply with is providing at least 12 hours of training for a caregiver every year. That ongoing training is just, that's just kind of setting the bar, I would say pretty low, but at least we need to have that kind of training in place. Um, and one of the things that we are also doing at HomeWatch Caregivers is to build a program where we can take someone from any state. And again, like you said, uh, Diane, the states are also different. Take someone who maybe was working at Amazon or was working at Chick-fil-A um, and doesn't have a background in caregiving and train them through our proprietary training methods and be able to get them to become a caregiver if they have that passion. And so it's a huge amount of work because again, every state is so very, very different in terms of their requirements or it's the wide West and you know, there's absolutely no requirements. Um, but I think it's something that would legitimize the home care industry a bit more if we had some of those standards in place. You brought up a really interesting point. You talked about um, bringing somebody in from Chick-fil-A or from Amazon. What do you look for um, when you're recruiting people from outside of the industry when it comes to skill sets? And, and are there people out there at, at Chick-fil-A or an Amazon, as you say, that have skill sets that can transfer over to the home care space? Well, we absolutely know that there are. I mean, we'll, our franchise owners will say like, oh, I was out at a restaurant or something and, you know, someone took care of me, whether it was the host or the server or whomever, who just had this incredible personality. They connected with me. They, you could tell they cared about me. They asked great questions. 
And they're like, and I gave them my card and said, if you ever want to think about getting into the home care industry, please give us a buzz. And that's very possible in some states that don't have, you know, stringent requirements. Um, and, and so, yes, we see people who have that passion for other people. They really are connectors. They enjoy spending time with people. Um, they're, they're sort of warm and fuzzy, right? And you kind of know them when you see them. And those individuals, even if they don't have any, you know, certified nursing assistant background or home health aid background, um, we feel confident that we can teach them the proper skills over time uh, to become great caregivers. So, uh, and they may be feeling like, guess what? I'm not fulfilled, you know, serving people breakfast every day. I want to do something more. I want to touch people's lives in a more deep uh, manner. Technology has certainly helped the industry a lot during the COVID-19 pandemic. Um, how is HomeWatch Caregivers leveraging technology? Yes, uh, technology is, you know, something that the home care industry has needed for a really long time. I've been in the industry for 20 years. And when I first started, when I think back to how we used to promote ourselves, the tools we used to use, lots of stuff on paper and whiteboards. Now everything is driven by technology and we have software that is phenomenal that we're able to run our businesses so much more efficiently. So some of the key things that we're doing, Diane, um, in 2020 are number one, uh, migrating our legacy owners over to a new system called Care. So that's our practice management system. We have 30 owners on, on it already, um, but that has a much enhanced technology from what I think most of our um, competitors out there are used to. Um, and so we're able to use obviously a, like a caregiver app for uh, caregivers to be able to check in and check out. Um, there's a report writer in there. There's great matching tools for caregivers and clients. Um, and the list goes on and on. So that's that's kind of the biggest lift that we're doing this year is leveraging a whole new backend technology for our franchise owners to operate more efficiently and actually to provide better care ultimately by using some of the predictive analytics and things that are inside of the technology. Yeah. How do you think it's going to expand going forward? I mean, do you see a, a time and I'm, I'm reading about different technologies coming out where almost like an Alexa system that can be monitoring the patient or the the client 24/7 is that something that you foresee yeah i think i mean if that's that technology is already here yeah. and in terms of getting it like you know there's so many monitors and sensors and things that we can be using and cameras in the home um, and those things have been around for quite a while but it gets it gets smarter all the time, right? And it gets more attractive to seniors. When we when we think about seniors in their home, there are some people who are really open to technology and others who are a little bit hesitant and resistant to it, right? And people don't like the idea of cameras all over their house necessarily. Not everyone is um, open to that idea. But so if you can have something like a robot, you know, a care bot over time, I think that's probably where, you know, one opportunity that we'll have that uh, looks more human-like, that's a little bit more friendly. You know, you have those robot dogs you've seen. And studies show that the connection that you can make to robots is similar to that you can make um, to that to that with a human. Um, and so if you do it right and you have the right technology, connections can be made even with 
non-human devices and uh, and robots. And I do think like that's that's probably a little bit down the road, but they've been doing that in Japan for a while with care bots. And I do think that you'll see more and more technology integrated with human to human care. Gotcha. Along that same line, we're seeing um, a lot of home care, home health care companies partnering um, with other companies, whether it be transportation services, uh, whether that be handyman services. Are you involved in any of these partnerships and, and how valuable are they? Yeah, so it, it's we kind of have built in partnerships being part of authority brands, which is awfully nice. There are 13 home services brands that we are a part of underneath this umbrella of authority brands. So there's um, American Swimming Pools, there's um, Ben Franklin, there's um, the Cleaning Authority and Mosquito Squad. And we've got all these great brands that touch the homes, we're the, we're the brand that touches the people in the homes. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, all of these types of services, especially as people have been spending more and more time at home with COVID, folks have realized that, um, wow, my home is, you know, could use additional work and additional features. And I could, I could use a, um, you know, a dog waste pickup company if we have duty calls as part of our brands. And all of those things kind of work together to help, like when we think about our clientele, and and if you're thinking about a senior individual, they need all kinds of um, uh, services in their home. And so being able to have a one-stop shop company that can bring all these other services to the table to help those families more efficiently, you know, I think that that's absolutely an advantage that we have. There's been a lot of talk in Washington these days about policy and driving more care into the home. Um, Although Build Back Better is sort of stalled in Congress right now, there's some other um, legislation out there to drive home, to drive care into the home. Um, One of the things that we are hearing about, too, is the whole issue of immigration. Um, There are a number of associations, the Home Care Association of America in particular, Leading Age, want to see immigration policy addressed. Is this something that you think is important for this industry going oh, forward particularly? Oh, for sure. I mean, um, so I sit on the board of the Home Care Association of America, and it's something we talk about a lot. It's we're all, you know, having this issues with our workforce. And we all saw that, you know, when we put tighter controls around immigration, we struggle to find the right folks. And so we're, you know, As an industry, I think we're all very aligned that we need to do something about immigration. I think the the general feeling is that not nearly enough will be done, Um, that it is still sort of an environment in Washington where we might get, um, you know, I don't know, there's some talk of 80,000 people able to come into the country to help with this particular industry. But um, I think that I think those numbers are woefully short of what is really needed. And it doesn't, it, you know, I don't want to not be hopeful, um, but yet we also have to be realistic. So it, that's not going to be our silver bullet, Diane. We're going to have to be really creative with within the borders of the United States to figure out how to continue to attract people to this incredible industry that we're in that is so meaningful. Yeah, I mean, they're talking about legislation like Choose Home, which would move more 
more care into the home, but you have to have those caregivers, right? That's right. I mean, there's never been more interest from clients. There's never been more interest from um, partnerships and payer programs to work together to provide care at home. So we've done a great job in getting people really motivated and to see that it is really cost effective to provide care at home versus in an expensive facility setting. Um, and yet the sad part is now that everyone's like energized and we have Medicare Advantage paying for care, we don't have enough caregivers. So um, we're working hard on that particular item. And I know all of our um, all of my um, my colleagues at uh, at the other brands are doing the same thing. One of the things that we've seen, particularly um, in the last few months, is inflation really taking off, particularly right now. We're hearing about gasoline prices right now being at their highest level in what, since 2008, and potentially could be at their highest level since, um, you know, early 2000s, uh, right after 9-11. How is that affecting your business right now, your franchisees, particularly because you're sending people out into the community and they're using their cars to get there? That's right. Yeah. So, you know, something we've always uh, our franchise owners have always done is, you know, to to reimburse for gas and to provide gas cards for their caregivers. And and it's never been more important than now. Um, But one of the things also that our our owners have to always be doing is utilizing the great back end technology that we've made available and to ensure that caregivers are scheduled for shifts that are as close to one another as possible. So if you have, you know, some of our caregivers are doing 24 seven, but if they happen to be doing multiple, say two to four hour shifts a day, making sure they're in the same part of town. And that can be really tough because you also want to have a really um, the right match of caregiver and client. So it can't just be proximity that you're looking at, but you have to weigh, you have to have smart technology to be able to weigh all the different factors in terms of skill sets and personalities and social history uh, to make a great fit as well as proximity. So you don't have caregivers driving all over the place and spending all this money on gas. Not only is it hard on their pocketbook, but it's also um, not as good for the environment to be keeping, you know, to be minimizing that as much as possible. So we're always looking at those types of things to um, limit the driving of our caregivers. Are there fears among your franchisees that this is going to affect the bottom line? Oh, absolutely. And I would say it's probably already impacting their bottom lines. Um, I think the workforce shortage in general has been really tough on uh, profit margins for everybody, right? And we've been paying a lot more in um, overtime for caregivers because you want your great caregivers to be working as much as possible. um, And you don't have as many caregivers in the pool as you would like. So, you know, oftentimes you you say, well, I'm going to, if this caregiver wants to, I'm going to have them work 50 hours this week and just pay the overtime. But when it's the right thing to do for the client, you know, you do that kind of thing. And our franchise owners are such, um, they have such big hearts that's really their priority and they'll let profitability suffer in order to do the right thing by their clients and their caregivers. Um, but this is just going to be another, another, you know, hit to the bottom line. And so we have to have to keep being really smart about how we support our owners um, so that they can stay in business because it's, it's becoming tougher and tougher. Great comments. Jennifer Tucker, chief operating officer of home watch caregivers. Thank you so much for joining me. You bet. Thank you, Diane. I really enjoyed it. Thanks for listening to McKnight's Newsmakers podcast. 
we hope you'll join us again.